And for those of our listeners who may not have heard of you, how would you describe yourself and what you do? Um, in appearance, I'm short and ginger. Um, in terms of what I do now, I'm a motivational speaker adventurer and business consultant so basically I'm using uh, my record-breaking expeditions to inspire others uh, to achieve more than they think they can and to take their businesses in um, in in new directions. Great that sounds fantastic so I know you've taken part in a number of exciting expeditions which I'm looking forward to discussing in a bit but what sparked this love of adventure in the first place? I grew up on a farm in Pembrokeshire in West Wales and really had all the freedom in the world to explore. And then the things that were the catalyst, if you like, were the fact that as a girl guide, I bought my first sleeping bag uh, and I got a taste for camping. And then I did the Duke of Edinburgh's award, both, um, well, all bronze, silver and gold levels. And after I finished my gold, I was desperate to do something else, to do something that was physically challenging, to go and see new places. Um, and that was when I, um, I applied to British Exploring as a teenager. Great. And where did you go with British Exploring? In the year 2000, which seems an awfully long time ago <laughs> now, um, I went to Iceland. Oh, fantastic. Um, and spent four weeks on the Vatnajökull Glacier in Iceland, and I was in the glaciology fire. So, um, yes, looking at all things uh, related to snow and ice. Fab. So I know you studied geography at university, which is also oh. what I study. So um, what was it about the subject that you loved, and how did it shape your future decisions and what you later went on to do? always just had a passion for why why the landscape looks the way it does you know what are the reasons that it's like that I mean that's one of the brilliant things about um, exploring and adventuring you're traveling through just such impressive scenery a lot of the time and it and you just wonder why why is it like that um, so that was part of the reason uh, although my degree uh, was a, a 50-50 human geography physical geography split so as well as looking at things like uh, glaciology um, rivers uh, gullying and soil erosion and and things like that I also looked at other topics um, such as the geographies of of childhood and youth and looking at uh, sort of street children in Indonesia um, and and the problems that they um, encounter on a daily basis so a real mixture of, of things. Yeah, I think that's a great thing about geography is the variety you can sort of have when you take it as a subject. So I agree with what you're saying, yeah. So just talking about some of your exciting expeditions you've done now. So I know last year you were part of the Beeline Britain team who completed the first ever straight line journey from Land's End to John O'Groats. Can you tell me a bit more about that challenge and how it came about? Yeah, sure. I'm smiling just thinking about it. It was was incredible. Um, I was approached by Ian O'Grady who came up with the idea and he said, I hear you've done some other adventures. How about uh, travelling in, in this straight line from Land's End to John O'Groats? And I said, great, you know, what does it comprise? And as well as a, a bit of hiking over the Cairngorms and some road cycling and mountain biking, the first leg of this journey was going to comprise a 210-kilometre sea kayak. Now, I've done a little bit of sea kayaking, um, but my first comment was, it sounds great, but I get seasick. And I do genuinely get really, really seasick. So I was immediately thinking, oh, gosh, I, I could never, never do that. But I agreed to go and, and meet the team, find out more. 
and then uh, Adam took me for a kayak uh, off the coast of Pembrokeshire, in fact, and through um, a stretch of water known as the Bitches, and um, it's got a really big um, uh, tidal flow through it. Um, it's uh, quite a can be a, a very dangerous section of water, and so off we went, um, and I did okay, <laughs> and that was the sort of initiation. Um, and then I, I managed to control my seasickness um, through through various uh, uh, methods. One being uh, always making sure I had a full stomach before I uh, yeah, <laughs> got on the water, and that had a high blood sugar level. Um, and essentially trained. Um, over a nine-month period uh, and learned more about sea kayaking than I ever thought I would. Um, and, yeah, on uh, the 17th of May back in 2014, uh, we set off from Land's End on, on this journey with just incredible sea conditions. Um, and we paddled for 34 and a half hours. Oh, my goodness. Stop. <laughs> Um, before we reached the coast of Pembrokeshire and uh, I've never been so relieved uh, to see the Pembrokeshire coast. I bet, that sounds like quite a challenge. Yeah, and, and you know, it, it's when I, I reflect on it, it's where you realise that things such as visualisation and your mindset and positivity um, and the really basics of expeditioning, just looking after yourself and eating and drinking at the right times, um, were, were the things that, that contributed to our success. Mm, no, definitely sounds that's good advice. So um, another challenge I wanted to ask you about, slightly different form of transport this time, when you decided to jump on a bike and do a cycling journey in New Zealand, cycling, cycling the length of New Zealand in 2010, how did that come about and what was that like? Oh, this, this was crazy. I, I love the way adventures can uh, materialise yeah. uh, from, from nowhere. Um, a lady called Maria Leistan put an advert in the South Wales Echo looking for other adventurous women. Mm-hmm. And I responded. In fact, I was the only person <laughs> to respond. And we met up and... I'd talked about the fact my sister had just moved to New Zealand and she said, oh, I'd love to go back there. Um, And she talked about a trail, a walking trail, which runs the entire length of the country. And we thought, oh, it would be great to to run that. But uh, that was clearly going to take a long time and we didn't have that time off work. And so we came up with the idea of, of cycling the length of New Zealand. I'd never met Maria before, but gut instinct told me that we would get on. Uh, And so having never done anything like this before, I bought some panniers um, to go on the bike that my dad bought me for university. Uh, And we bought uh, two separate plane tickets. I can't remember why we didn't fly together uh, to New Zealand. Trusted the other one to turn up. Um, hitchhiked uh, to the the top of the North Island, uh, but we basically found a man with a van because uh, the bus could only take us so far, um, and and started cycling from uh, Cape Vienna. This is back in January two thousand and ten, and. It, we were in New Zealand for about two months, uh, but in total it took us 24 days of uh, cycling, or 23 days actually, um, and it was a total of 2,400 kilometres, uh, and it was it was just spectacular and um, and so much fun. <laughs> no, it sounds fun. It's um, also nice how it kind of randomly came together but worked out in the end. I think uh, th- that journey goes to show that you, I mean. You don't have to plan things sometimes. You can just let them take their course. 
and you know you can still have a great adventure whereas I think some of my other expeditions have required meticulous planning and attention to detail yeah no definitely well one of those I wanted to ask you about was um when in May 2005, your team, the Pink Lady Polecats, which is a great name, by the way, became the first ever all-female team to complete the Polar Challenge. And for those of our listeners who don't know what that is, it's a 360-mile race to the Magnetic North Pole and just sounds like an amazing achievement. And I was wondering what a challenge like that taught you about teamwork and do you have any words of wisdom you can pass on to our young explorers about the importance of working in harmony together as a team? Mm, oh, there's, there's so much to say. Um, so this was the first big um, challenge that I'd done, and I, I was scared, I was nervous. Um, I must say at this point, I did it with two uh, British exploring office colleagues, oh, great. Um, Felicity Aston, um, who has gone on to achieve some incredible uh, feats of her own, um, and Samantha Eve. Um, and um, we we took this really seriously. Uh, we got some incredible sponsorship from Pink Lady Apples, hence the name, the Pink mm-hmm. Lady Polecats. And in terms of forming um, a really tight um, and successful team, um, we we trained hard. Every weekend involved dragging tires to simulate uh, dragging a pulk. And it was really about getting to know each other. And it was about giving each other candid feedback when things were going right, but also when they were going wrong. Um, and understanding what each other's strengths were. So we we quickly realised that Fliss was a brilliant navigator um, and would probably take the lead on that element of the race. Uh, I was the one that uh, never burnt the porridge. <laughs> Great <laughs> so skill. Was, uh, more often than not given the task of, of cooking for the team and making sure that, that we were all fed. And so, you know, there's just two examples there of really playing to your strengths and... Um, uh, and yeah, making sure you each have a role because that that's really important too. The other thing is to be really clear on what your aims are. Now, at the start of this uh, uh, challenge, in the, in the very early days, um, we, we worked with just Dr. Justin Roberts at the University um, of Hertfordshire. That's where he was then, and he asked us the question. Uh, you know, what, what do you want to achieve? And I, I remember uh, Sam saying that she wanted to win the race, uh, Felicity saying that she wanted to, you know, be really competitive, and then there was me just saying, well, hang on a minute, I can't even ski at the moment. Let's just see if we can get to the finish line, even if we finish, you know, two and a half weeks after the last team. Yeah. And, uh, and the biggest thing that I've learned is that you can't have three individuals standing on a start line whose aims and objectives are that different it's just not going to work so you have to work hard at really bringing together the, those are different differing ideas um, and coming up with a common goal and our, our common goal was to attempt to come in the top half of all of the teams taking part back in 2005 and we did achieve that, um, which yeah makes me smile even ten years on. Uh, we actually finished sixth out of sixteen teams. That's great, and I read that you also beat all the all male teams as well on the way. <laughs> it was any uh, of, of the men's teams' yeah. worst nightmare to be overtaken by the Pink Lady Polka. I'm sure. <laughs> well, that's great. And another thing, which I'm sure is the one you're most known for, is in 2007, at the age of 25, becoming the youngest British woman and the first Welsh woman to climb to the summit of Everest. 
which is amazing. And I'm, I'm sure you get asked this an awful lot, but can you put into words how you felt reaching the summit? And was it really like sitting on top of the world, as so many people say it is? <laughs> as I took those final few uh, steps to reach the summit, I realised that I'd been climbing at that point for nine or ten hours, uh, non-stop. And I thought to myself, what if I've used up all my energy? What if I sit down and I can't physically get up again? And I had this real kind of moment of fear that, uh, you know, you're, you're so alone up there. You're beyond rescue. Yes, there have been helicopters that have flown to the height of Everest, but it's not routine for a, a helicopter to, to pick anyone up uh, off the highest bits of the mountain. And so... Um, I was really, really scared, really nervous, um, but I did sit down because I, I needed to take a bit of a break. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and, and the feeling was just, it was one of relief that all of the hard work and training that I'd done over the, the, the previous 18 months had been worth it because I dedicated so much time to the challenge. I mean, um, I, I say frequently in, in the talks that I give that there wasn't one day in 18 months where I didn't do something that was going to hopefully put me on the summit of Mount Everest. So um, it was relief. Um, I was scared because if something were to have gone wrong, um, as I said, you're, you're so far from help and you're reliant uh, both on, on your own capability and those of, of your teammates and shepherds around you um, to, to help you if anything does go wrong. So um, you do feel very alone, but you feel like you are, yeah, in a very unique place. Um, you know, at that point in time, you know, you are the highest uh, human being in the world, except for those uh, flying around on, on various uh, aircraft. Um, and I just wanted the feeling to go on forever. Um, I, I didn't. I didn't want to go down in some ways. Um, and I just tried to savor the view. Um, and then there was that all, all important uh, point where you think, okay, I have to capture this. Yeah. Um, and so I. Um, took some photos and really hoped that they would come out, which they did. Um, and I also did a, a small piece to camera, which I actually filmed on a Nokia phone uh, for BBC Wales, uh, which they, they then used in, in the documentary that was made about my client. Amazing. Well, that sounds like such an incredible achievement and just goes to show, I guess, what you can do when you sort of put your mind to, to it and work as a team as well. It, it's certainly, um, it, it's more than just the team on the yeah. mountain as well. It's the whole network of people that, that support you back at home, be that friends, family, work colleagues, sponsors, the media. I mean, there are so many people um, that, that want you to succeed um, and are right behind you and really do play a part um, in, your, in your success when, when you achieve something like that. Yeah, no, definitely. It's a whole grouping together of people that come together and sort of help you to achieve your achievements. I definitely agree with that. Just another question is, um, given your rich and hi rich history of the society, I'm sure you're well aware that British exploring discovers the true remoteness in the jungle, desert, Arctic and mountain. I'm going to have a guess as to what you might prefer, but do you have out of all of those a particular favourite and why? Oh, it's got to be the mountain. Yeah, I was, <laughs> thought you might say that. Yeah, you know what? I, I just, I feel the most alive in the mountains and... Uh, that was really apparent last year on the Beeline Britain Challenge. Um, I, I loved the sea kayaking, I loved the cycling, but as soon as I got in the Cairngorms, 
I felt at home. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think mountains have kind of got something really special about them, especially when you reach the top of summits. It's kind of a feeling you can't really put into words. Okay, so I watched a TED talk you did in Cardiff called Inspired by a Jar of Jam, in which you spoke about courage and overcoming your fears. And in it, you talk about when you were younger, cooking with your nan, and how you were struggling to open a jar of jam, and how she told you that there's no such word as can't, you can do it. And I think that's such a brilliant an analogy for so many challenges in life, and I know you drew upon it when you were climbing Everest. And I was wondering, what, I, what have the challenges you've taken part in taught you about yourself and your abilities? And how important is it to maintain a positive attitude in such endeavours? I think, um, so do you mean other, other things that I've done? In yeah, the just sort of have the challenges you've, you've taken part in. What have they taught you about yourself and your abilities? And what's the, the importance of keeping that positive frame of mind that you spoke about in that video? You, I think... In all of my challenges, I've just never given up. I mean, there have been times when, in one instance, we had a sponsor who verbally said that they would support us and back us financially, and then they pulled out. Oh, no. <laughs> um, and, it, you know, you, I remember thinking, we could have let that affect us, and we could have, um, yeah, just been really upset about it but instead it's about picking yourself back and saying no we, we are going to make this happen the same uh, you know I've picked up a few injuries along the way and I've picked up an injury uh, prior to the polar challenge and I was devastated I, I thought that it was going to be the end and I, I was saying to Sam and Felicity I said oh you know have we got a, a stand-in in case I, I can't do it um, but again you have to maintain that positivity and um, and obviously going and seeking good advice is, is the, the first um, crucial step. But just being positive and thinking, you know, you are going to get better and being patient as well. Um, that's a huge lesson I've learned, uh, particularly on Everest. Um, there's a great comparison between um, climbing Everest and competing in the race to the Magnetic North Pole in that... Um, the race to the magnetic north pole was exactly that a race it was about you know pushing yourself being the first being the fastest um whereas everest i think there's a, you need a very different tactic um and because you have to allow your body to acclimatize to the lack of oxygen there you actually need patience more than anything else and it's not about racing um and it's about really understanding your body and and the, the conditions um and, and how you're responding to those because uh everyone can be uh, affected by acute mountain uh, sickness to a to a greater or lesser extent great well, that's um, a really good contrast between the two different challenges you did and the sort of mindset i guess you had to take with both of them that's great. So just to finish on, I guess, have you got any advice or words of wisdom for our future explorers who might have already signed up or be thinking about signing up to go on expedition? Well, firstly, definitely go on an expedition with British Exploring. I cannot recommend it more highly enough. Um, you know, as a, an 18-year-old, it gave me so much in terms of not just what I was going to go on and, and study at university and it inspired an even greater love of, of geography. But it was about so many other things. It was about meeting other young people from around the UK, um, from, from different backgrounds, um, who, who I might never have got to meet before. And, and by the way, I'm, I'm still very good friends with, with some of them. 
um, and and learning to um, always challenge yourself because um, I'm a huge believer that um, everyone can achieve more than they think that they can and it is about stepping outside of your comfort zone um, and that's exactly what my expedition to Iceland with British Exploring did uh, back in 2000 and it, it was such a huge catalyst for me then wanting to go on um, and do new things and explore uh, new places uh, along the way. Um, and I have to also say I, I work uh, for the Duke of Edinburgh's Award at the moment, yep. um, so perhaps if there are any younger listeners, um, doing your, your, your DOV is a great first step to get um, some of the, the basic outdoor skills, um, you know, such as map reading and navigation, um, and yeah, uh, really looking after yourself in, in, the, in the countryside, so that, those would be my two recommendations. That's good advice. And just one other thing, in your opinion, what is it about expeditions and taking part in them that makes them so special and transformative? I guess as compared to maybe some other holidays that people might have gone on, what's it about expeditions that kind of just set them apart from the regular trips that people might go on? I think um, for me, it's the simplicity of life. Um, It's having a very clear and simple goal often be that getting to the top of a mountain or or, or traversing across the, the frozen sea ice um i have to say that with all the distractions that we have on a daily basis uh, be, it our, be it our phones emails um television it, it's about getting away from from all of that uh, as well um and it's often about real conversation and um, and it's, it's the shared experiences for me. Uh, I can I think of times now when I have just been creased over double because I've been laughing so much um, on my expeditions. Um, and it, the camaraderie um, that, that you get from, from going on those uh, group, uh, small group activities, or, or it doesn't have to be a long expedition. It could be a, you know, a long weekend uh, cycle. Um, yeah. Those are the things that that make um, expeditions and and adventures really, really special. Yeah, I think they can be sort of memories and friends for a lifetime. So that's always really good. Okay, well, Tori, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today. And you've given some fantastic advice. It's been fantastic also hearing about all your amazing challenges that you've done. And I'm sure our listeners will really enjoy listening to this. Thank you. Thanks.